Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So <laughs> I want to start off by saying Spotify wrapped. 2022 just came out and it allowed me to find out that apparently Kindly Gifted is in the top 15% of most followed podcasts. We did it. Um, Kindly Gifted is in the top 20% most shared globally. And you guys are sharing from like Instagram, direct links, texts, WhatsApp, other places. I'm just like blown. Tuning in from uh, 33 countries. In the top five are the U.S., Canada, U.K., Australia, and Nigeria. Thank you so much for listening and inviting me into your day and spending time with me. I love this moment and being able to talk with you and bond with you. So I just feel really lucky and I'm incredibly grateful for you. This episode is about emotional branding and why... Emotional branding and understanding the concept is incredibly necessary if you want to build the next successful brand. Whether it be you as a person and creating your personal brand and standing out from other people creating content online, or if you are um, you know, marketing on behalf of a company and you're trying to make your company stand out from others in its vertical. Emotional branding is incredibly important to understand, okay? And it blows my mind that the term emotional branding is only 22 years old, okay? It was created by a man called Mark Gobey, all right? I don't know if I said his name correctly, but it sure sounded like I did. Um, so emotional branding, although the term is relatively new, the concept has been around ever since marketing has been around, okay? Because emotional branding and really marketing in general is rooted in psychology. It's rooted in um, human behavior. And it, and it merely respects the fact that anything you're doing, any marketing that you're creating is made for somebody else on the other side, not only to see, but to do something about it, right? You want them to take some sort of action. That's why you're making marketing. Even if you're not investing any quote unquote money into it, you're investing time, huge asset for all of us as human beings, considering we all have an expiration date, not to get morbid, but you know what I mean, right? You want an ROI from anything that you're, any advertising, any marketing, any like putting yourself out there that you're doing on the internet and other forms of marketing that you may be using. The goal is always to ensure that the person on the other side takes some sort of action, you know, going to your website, signing up for your email list, buying your product, right? Um, or buying from a brand that you're advertising if you're an influencer, for example. So 
that's the issue <laughs> is that you'll see that a lot of people create companies and a lot of people um, make brands and think like, oh, I'm going to be the next whatever. And they fall short on their marketing because their marketing doesn't acknowledge that you're selling to people. You're not selling to robots. You're, you're trying to create a conversation, right? It's just like making friendships. I use this example all the time, but marketing is, is like relationships, you know, or with anybody. You wouldn't just come up to somebody and be like, I'm a really nice person. You would show them, right? And that's what marketing is supposed to do. It's supposed to show the person on the other side what you're all about, what your values are, who you are, what you stand for, um, you know, and, and try to resonate with people on an emotional level as opposed to just being like, I'm, here's me, here's my thing, here's my product, here I am, like support me, love me, follow me, right? So research has found that 90% of our decisions are made using emotion. I personally would bump that up to 100. I'd bump it up to like 300% of our decisions are made using emotion. Um, and that's counterintuitive a little bit because especially in marketing, we're often told, oh, well, you know, men buy a certain way, women buy a, a different way, and women are more emotional and men are less emotional. And uh, in some cases, like that is true, like the foundational aspects of, of how like women versus men, for example, um, buy the, the root of that, like, Yes, there are differences in terms of men are more quantitative. They're looking at things like results and prices and all of that, whereas women are more likely to look at how is this gonna, thing going to make me feel. However, I recently stumbled across a brand called Off Court. Bear with me. I'm trying to give you some real-life examples of what I'm talking about, okay? There's a brand called Off Court. You're welcome to Google it. Um, it's pretty cool. It kind of makes me think of like if – off-white and human race had a baby and it was a beauty brand for men. Um, and that's kind of what it is. Like they have the like, you know, body washes and um, body sprays and like that kind of stuff. And packaging is really cute. I'm like, shit, should I buy it? Should I cosplay as a guy so I can go get it? Um, but if, let's say, let's say if we were to use the argument of, oh, well, men, you know, are really logical consumers. If we were to use that argument, off court as a brand would not exist. Because in the event that you're a completely unemotional consumer, you would go to like the $3 body wash. You wouldn't buy the $15 body wash that does the exact same thing, okay? you would buy the cheaper option. You would be like, well, ultimately they're the same concept. I'm just going to go get the cheaper one because I just save money and I don't have to worry. You know, like that's how you would do if you were buying purely logically, completely emotionally detached, right? However, when you actually look at how men buy and across the board, this is how we have ads like, like Axe, and a lot of liquor ads selling to like, drink this liquor, use Axe, you're going to get laid, right? Those are the things, those, there are reasons why they sell to men like that, okay? Because that is one of the emotional components 
of what fuels a male consumer. That's not a logical, like purely quantitative way of buying something. Liquor's not always going to get you laid. Axe most def- most definitely will not, okay? But back to the off-court example, off-court's packaging is stunning. It's beautiful. Um, it's something that I can definitely see, you know, my guy friends having on their, like, their bathroom counters or even like moving the shower curtain of their shower to like display it on the side like it looks really really nice the ads are really chic and editorial it's really like sleek it's kind of for like the the streetwear you know like he probably also uses human race by pharrell he's you know he loves nike you know that kind of guy like he's really into style and Again, the counter argument could be like, well, only women buy based on packaging. Men don't buy based on packaging. But they do for emotional reasons. Men don't want to buy pink stuff because that's girly. Because God forbid one of their guy friends walks into their bathroom and says, are you gay, dude? Right? So guys find their image to be as important to them as women find their image to be important to them. And that's why brands like Off Court exist. Like I said, I don't know every single thing about the brand, but I'm just going to assume that like body wash is fucking body wash. Okay. It's not that different from other body washes. However, the way that it's presented, the way that it's positioned, the way that it's being marketed is that this is cool body wash. You're going to stand out in a good way. Smells good. It looks sleek. It's the off-white of body washes. Like, you're really, you're really, you know, you're a fly guy if you use this stuff. And that is an example of emotional branding. You're tapping into your consumer's emotional state, their ego, their needs, their aspirations, the way they want to be, the way they want to look. The things that are kind of holding them back, like, for example, packaging. Like, yeah, maybe the the pink body wash smells better, but you're a man. You can't go buy that or whatever. I don't agree with that, but, you know, society. Um, Nike is emotional branding. I've said this before. Like, Nike is not a clothing apparel shoe company. They are a marketing and communications company. And they sell you the emotion of winning, the emotion of success, of performance, of status, of cool, sleek, sexy. Like, you don't got to just wear this at the gym. They've also, you're just going to look really cool in and out of the gym. And you're going to look like a winner. And again, that taps into people's ego and needs and goals and dreams and aspirations. And they use the language that you use in your head when describing yourself, imagining yourself wearing Nike. They use that language back to you. Like, oh, I'm going to feel like such a winner in this. And then they just like take it and feed it right back to you. Um, And that's because they understand their consumer really, really well. Same with Apple. Okay. At this point, you know, ever since Steve Jobs left, Apple kind of like, right. And it's not really that innovative of a company anymore. However, 
they hang on because they recognize that there is a clear difference in the way that people perceive the status of an Apple customer and an Apple user versus the status of a PC user. Some people don't care about that, but Apple's ideal consumer does. They care about looking cool. They care about being perceived as wealthy, even if they're not. That's important to them. And again, that's an emotional component. Does the Apple computer work better than the PC? Probably at this point not. Um, But it's about understanding the emotional core needs of who it is that you're talking to. And that's important, like I said, beyond brands. It's also important for anybody who is a person who is marketing themselves as a person of influence. You need to understand what is it that people want to feel and how can you help them feel that. If you are a, you know, let's say a lawyer, right? And actually a really great example of this is Legal Baddie. Um, If you don't follow her, you should. She's on TikTok. She's incredible. Um, Legal Baddie, her name is Delara. She um, basically makes law and legal knowledge very accessible to Gen Z by, first of all, using ordinary terms and two, relating it to like pop culture and things happening in in society. She recently kind of broke down what Balenciaga was suing um, their producers and production agency for using like like very simple, easy to understand words. And I can assume that she does that because she understands that legal terms and jargon don't resonate with people. They want to understand what's going on. And she, as a lawyer... Um, or a law student, I can't remember which one, but she studied law (laughs) either way. I don't know if she's already practicing or she's still a student, but, um, she's able to kind of like translate. She's kind of able to be like the Google translate for people, um, and present legal knowledge in a very entertaining, fun, but also easy to understand simple way. And so that's also rooted in, How do people currently feel about this information and how do I want them to feel? How can I help them feel differently or make this accessible to them or um, allow them to feel secure in understanding these terms and what's going on when people are talking about legal issues, right? It's empowering because historically law was for... The intelligentsia was for people who were um, who had access to education, who had access to books. Um, It was for a higher class of people historically, and it was made to not be easy to understand so that ordinary people would be kept under control. And so to have somebody, especially of a younger generation, to make legal matters easy to understand invites everybody to be a part of that experience. So again, the way that I'm describing it is from an emotional standpoint. That's what she's giving people. She's giving people a sense of security and clarity and confidence in understanding what it is that she's talking about and being able to apply that that knowledge to things that they come across on their own in the world that have to do with legal issues on the news or in an article they're reading or in another TikTok they're seeing or whatever, right? 
that's what makes the 1% of brands, the 1%. That's what makes the 1% of influential people, the 1%. It's not necessarily about having an amazing product. It's not about necessarily having a, you know, or being the prettiest or being the hottest or the coolest or the most stylish. It's about giving people an emotional component. And that actually takes like work. (laughs) That's how you have people like me who do this for you, okay? Um, I was working with a client the other day who was, like, saying that he feels like he's not – his content is flopping. He feels like his viewers aren't resonating with it. And a simple question I asked him was, well, do you know who your ideal viewer is? And it took him a while because at first he said, wow, I never thought about that question. How come brands have target audiences? Why is it that a personal brand thinks it's not important for them to have a target audience? So that question is incredibly important to answer because it will allow you to unlock the soul of your influence, right? Whether, like I said, you're a company or a person because it allows you to tap into your ideal viewers or consumers or users' emotional state, their ego, their needs, their goals, their aspirations, their desires, their dreams, their fears, positive, negative emotion. And it allows you to find the place that you can fill a void for them, right? Can you help them achieve a certain dream? Can you help them feel more confident? Can you give them validation about something? Can you make them less fearful about something? Can you provide them expertise and knowledge and provide them with clarity on something that was previously foggy to them? Um, And then you end up becoming a, a huge staple in their lives because you didn't just give them something tangible or you didn't just like put something in their hands or share a piece of content or tell a funny joke and like moved on. You actually left them with something. You didn't just give them something. You left them with something that they will always remember if you took the time to understand who they are and what they need and how you specifically can fill that void for them. That's emotional branding. I highly recommend looking into Nike um, as a core example of a brand that does that, Um, looking into a company like Twice Toothpaste that does that. Spotify is a very great example. I mean, Spotify Wrapped is all based on emotion. That entire campaign is rooted in psychology and emotion. And that's because they understood and took the time to understand fourth specific things about people i don't work on the spotify team so this is like just an educated guess (laughs) an industry guess but the first thing that the spotify wrapped campaign um is rooted in is the psychological human behavioral insight that one we really love to talk about ourselves right we love to tell people things about us hence Let's create a shareable top artist, top music, how many artists you listen to, what the songs were. These are all things about you and your taste, right? You're going to want to share that because it's about you, right? The other thing is that people are incredibly nosy. 
That's why you get so many responses when you share your Spotify wrapped and why you're more inclined to respond to somebody else's because you're you're interested in what their music tastes are. And music is a very intimate thing, right? Like it's a private experience. Usually it's you and your earbuds and <laughs> that's it, girl. Um and so people are very, uh, very nosy to see what other people are, are interested in and and uh, artists that they prefer and whatever, right? And then the other thing, the third thing is that that makes the Spotify wrapped campaign so successful and so uh, much of a cultural phenomenon that we look forward to every year now is that it allows us to be part of a community and to belong to something. We all as people crave belonging and and fitting in in some sense even if you're like fitting into a subculture or a small niche of people you still want to find your people right and you're able to do that when everybody's sharing all their music tastes and you can find your house music people or you can find your trap people or you can find your like southern hip-hop people or whatever um and then the final thing is that although we do want to fit in we also really love standing out and we love proving that we are different from everybody else. And we listened to this before it was cool and we're not like mainstream, right? And so that's the other thing is like if you have a really niche music taste, you're going to be more inclined to share it because you're like, yeah, I'm one of the top 1% listeners of Drake. <laughs> Loyal fan. I'm going to share this on Instagram, right? So that's why this this campaign is so successful and all it is is rooted in behavior and human behavior things that make us all people like if you look at the billboards it's like not that revolutionary of a design for example like they use their colors their font a picture of an artist <laughs> like it's not that great it's not that wild but what makes it so impactful is that it clearly understands us so well that we do what the campaign wants us to do, and that's share and get it out there and send it to people and interact with it. And that's all rooted in emotional branding. So if you are building a brand or you have a brand and you're repositioning your marketing strategy, which maybe after listening to this, you probably should, um, <laughs> or you're building a personal brand and you're like, wow, I never thought that I should consider who it is that I'm talking to. Hopefully this episode has helped you consider that and understand that you're not, yes, you're maybe you started creating for yourself, but as you build a community, you begin creating for other people and you want to give them value um, beyond just like, here's what I eat in a day and, and, you know, get ready with me. You actually like want to provide them with something. You, you want to leave them with something um, and that they will remember. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.